lying in state. We went into this thinking this was the best. The law only prescribed that the medical aids must pay for 21 days. When you had to take Sophie home, did you feel you had any choice? No. The life is a demani tragedy. If you're listening to us for the first time, we're on episode 5 of a six-part series. We urge you to listen to the previous episodes on our website, ewn.co.za or on the podcast app. So far in the series, we've looked into the reasoning behind the termination of the contract between Life Esitimeni and the Gauteng Health Department. We dissected the reasons for the termination, which were completely discredited by Gauteng Finance MEC Barbara Creasy. We also examined the hastily arranged and executed moving of the patients and how this went against government's policy to deinstitutionalize mental health care. In episode 4, Eyewitness News discussed the compensation paid to the victims' families and how the tragedy, the deadliest health disaster in democratic South Africa's short history, revealed grave concerns including government's failure to keep proper records of who comes in and out of its own system. We discussed how, with medical negligence cases, government has sued, billions of rands are then used to rectify the negligence, while the improvement of essential healthcare services, which the funds were meant for, is compromised. Now, if you have never experienced having to look after a family member with severe mental illness, or you have medical aid and are under the impression that this will cover you for literally everything, including mental health, then you need to listen to this episode. Now, you asked, can these people be treated in private? Or why, if one has medical aid and develops schizophrenia, it becomes severe and not responsive to treatment, can it be treated in private? Mm. Uh, The law only prescribes that the medical aids must pay for 21 days of admission in hospital. Beyond that, even you and I sitting here, if we were to have schizophrenia and schizophrenia needs treatment beyond in one day in hospital, then you have to be transferred to a public um, facility, unfortunately. Um, and I don't even think that in private, as a result, there's enough um, facilities uh, to look after people with severe mental illness. Dr. Mvuyi Sotalatala, the former president of the South African Society of Psychiatrists, was one of the people who fought against the moves. He wrote to the department twice and took the government to court twice in efforts to interdict the decision to terminate the contract. Talatala has not been able to explain why he and his colleagues' pleas as professionals in the field were not listened to. While talking to him in his office at the Dr. Solomon Matseke Academic Hospital, he discussed why families cannot look after their mentally ill relatives themselves and why the private healthcare system cannot care for people with severe mental illness. Now, if you take that kind of a patient to the family, it is a, it's possible, but it's very difficult. Mm. Because um, of the social circumstances first, Let's start with that one because I think if the, if our societies, if our communities were were strengthened, probably they could absorb even more patients. Mm. But uh, just imagine uh, you are staying in Orange Farm and you've got a brother discharged from Stepfordian Hospital. Two days later, he relapses and refuses to take medication, becomes aggressive. Um, because of this, of our current circumstances, you would have to hire a barky and being practically, I'm just commenting what happened, would happen practically. You would tie the person to take a person to a hospital like Barakonath Hospital. 
you will be able, once it's allowed by law, it's prescribed by law, that you should be able to call police. Try call police for a family member who's mentally ill is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So you call police, police will say, call the ambulance. You call the ambulance, the ambulance says, call the police. So you end up yourself hiring a car to take that person to a hospital. Hire, if you are hired to take someone who's like that and you're an ordinary person yourself with your car, you're going to charge even extra. So you find that the disability grant is 1,600. The person pays six, five, six hundred on the transport for one event, for mm-hmm. one day of that month. Already a third of the person's income for food is, is destroyed. So poor uh, families would struggle to live after, the, to look after the family. They want to look after their family members, but those are the difficulties, some of the difficulties they have to go through. You may think that I'm only saying that it's hard for poor people, even well-off families where people are working. Mm. It's also difficult for them as well because um, it, it would require someone to stop working. Two families affected by the life Esitimeni tragedy will know exactly what it is that Dr. Talatala is explaining. The first being Sophia Molefe's family. Sophia had been living at the Life Esitimeni Ronfontaine facility when her mother, Bertha, received a call in May 2016 and was told by staff there that her daughter would be discharged. Bertha says the officials said she would have to take her daughter home because the facility was shutting down and she would have nowhere to go. She described during her testimony at the arbitration hearings how she struggled to manage her daughter's condition, who she also says was very violent. Sophia had been diagnosed with psychosis. Speaking through an interpreter, Bertha also went into detail about finding her daughter at home unconscious shortly after being discharged. With foam coming out of her mouth, she had overdosed on medication. Mrs. Mufilefi, I just want to ask, when you had to take Sophie home, did you feel you had any choice in doing so? No. Prior to you taking her home, did the department do any home visit at your home to see whether your home was good, sufficiently secure for her? No. Did you receive any counselling or training before she came home? No. Was there any social worker, professional nurse or doctor's name given to you to monitor her at home? No. Mrs. Molefi, I saw the, the video clip that appeared on, on TV and my observation was that you were very scared of Sophie. Would that be an accurate observation? No. You were not no. scared of her? She no. wasn't aggressive? She was aggressive. She was aggressive but I was not scared of her. Sophia died at the Liradong Hospital two weeks later. Her part of this larger tragic story shows how difficult it is to look after a mentally ill family member. Another family acutely aware of this dilemma is the Mangena family. Raisibe Mangena is one of the patients who died after a short stay at the Dagalani home in Soweto. Her daughter, Buitumelo Mangena, also testified at the public hearings. She explained how her family had sought assistance from the private health sector, taking Raisibe to the Vista Hospital in Centurion for treatment. Buitumelo says her family was very clearly told by nurses and staff at Vista that they had no choice but to turn to the public health care system because her condition had become severe. At first, the reason why we even considered um, putting her into the public system was at f- when she first, when we first started noticing that uh, she was getting sick. We took her to a 
Vista in Centurion. It's a depression clinic. And when the doctor told us, she, the doctor psychiatrist called us in for a family meeting and explained to us that after all the tests that she's run, uh, she can conclude that my mom has vascular dementia. And with that, she explained that she would have to be in the public system because they give the best long-term mental health care. So she advised us that we take her, we move her from Vista, and we take her, we admit her into uh, the public system because they give the best long-term medical, um, long-term mental health care, and they would take better care of her. So that's when we took her to Charlotte Matleka, and from there she was moved to Tara, and from Tara she was moved to Life is Dimeni, and. We were told that we would never be able to take care of her on our own. All the social workers at each institution, at Vista, at Charlotte, at Tara, all told us that we would not be able to take care of her. And she also said that it would also be emotionally draining to have her in the house. So she, they, do not, they all did not recommend us taking care of her because they said we're all too young and we would not mentally be able to cope with having her in the house emotionally as well. We went into this thinking this was the best. Where then does this leave you, you may ask? Well, this simply teaches us that we can only rely on public health for care when affected by terminal mental illness. Whether it be a family member or yourself, there is no other choice. But how do we put our trust in leaders and a system which have scarred the country so badly How do we trust that government will not make the same mistake? It will take a very long time to, as they say, restore public confidence in the health system. Join us in the next and final episode of Lying in State, the Life Esitimeni Tragedy, when Eyewitness News will take a look at the criminal charges that should be laid against certain individuals, why these charges should be laid, and how far the police are with their investigations. This is an EWN podcast, written and produced by Masahora Shaka, Sheldon Marais, and Peter Theron.